Welcome to Horror and More with Anya Gore. I am your horror mistress, Anya. And today I have special guest, John Richards. Welcome, John. Oh, hello, Anya. How are you, my friend? It's been too long. It has been a while, yes. Yes. Um, before we launch into anything, I want you to take the opportunity to talk about A Cut Above. Yep, A Cut Above Horror Review. Of course, you may remember me from the Horrorphoria podcast. Uh, unfortunately, we had to stop that. But I've got two great new co-hosts. Actually, our official host is Jacqueline uh, Hydraberg's also um, on the show. And uh, we just re- rate and review horror movies like we did with Horrorphoria. But it's called A Cut Above a or review, which you can find on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and anywhere you get your podcast. It's really good. The three of you are, I, I love the dynamic. Yeah, those guys are actually smart people, and I'm not, and I just throw my dumbass phrases in there, so I'm... <laughs> no, no, you're all good. You're all good. But I will say that um, Hydra, Hydraberg's reach-arounds... When you mm-hmm. guys started doing that, are awesome. Yeah, and we've got a lot of great feedback from that. And it's just weird because he, it's not like he spends hours on it, but he does spend quite a bit of time writing it out. Just to, And we decided to do it after the spoiler only because he spoils some things in these things. And it's, it's they're really funny and they're fun to do. But that was his idea, so I give him all the credit in the world. Totally. And it's funny. Like, they're, yeah. they're entertaining. Yes, sure. they are. If anybody doesn't know what we're referring to, first of all, go listen to their podcast if you haven't already. But second of all, it's sort of like his version of the summary of the movie. (laughs) It's very poetic at times. It's very poetic. The last few have been completely rhyming. Mm -hmm. Um, I listen to almost all of your episodes, and I do Mm -hmm. that on top of um, wanting to hear what you guys talk about it, but... Our, your and my's horror movie taste mostly has been on par with one another. It and has. This is why I love listening to what you have to say. And when I feel a certain way about a horror movie, if you've reviewed it, I'm like, oh, he's got to have felt the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, which is what has led us to today's episode. Oh, boy. We're going to argue, aren't we? We are going to argue. <laughs> <laughs> this would be... This is, we should have probably done this on a Friday night when we had beverages in our hands. I don't know if you do. I do not. I do not. I do not. Yeah. It's a little early in the morning for me personally. But it's 10, it's 1035 in the morning. That would be a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> Although I'm not working today. I've got the Oh, there on. you go. Oh, nice. But um, so today, John and I are going to um, try to convince one another why we should either like Rob Zombie or why we should not. Because mm-hmm. I've always been a Rob Zombie fan. And John ultimately doesn't really like Rob Zombie that much. Well, yeah, let me clarify just something really quick. I am not a Rob Zombie fan by any means. There are some things that he does that he shines in brilliance. But people love him. And I, I, I don't... Um, I don't look down upon anybody that loves a Rob Zombie horror movie. I mean, to me, it just is, I don't know. I, we'll, we'll get into the discussion. We will. We will. And um, I've been kind of posting that I've been re-watching some Rob Zombie movies to prepare because your memory is going to be a lot better about details than mine. 
Mm-hmm. Since having children, I have virtually zero memory. <laughs> I have to take notes of everything all the time. But um, people do love Rob Zombie. Collectively, be it his music or his movies or if he dabbles in you know, animation or whatever, he has a part of people love him. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I understand why. You know, I used to be a big white zombie Rob Zombie fan back in the day. You know, my tastes have changed definitely, but it just didn't translate when he decided to get into filmmaking. No. Like, f- the first time I saw House of a Thousand Corpses, I was like, eh, it was okay. <laughs> well, so I'm curious, from a music standpoint, before we get into the film, mm-hmm. is what is he considered in the metal industry? Is is he like a bit of a hack? I, or do you I not know? know? I, I know he sells out shows. I know he's really successful with his uh, music. I would consider more hard rock. More, yeah. I don't think he is. Maybe um, at times a novelty act because a lot of his videos are exactly the same, mm-hmm. almost like, almost like his movies. Oh, it's uh, yes. Everything is wrapped up into the same world for sure. Now, he has no vocal range, but you know, then again, people like that hard rock stuff. You can put it on at the gym and work out to it, I guess. That's true. <laughs> Look at Chad Kroger from Nickelback. People still love him. Oh, man. I, I, I yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, <laughs> I hate there, it. it. Yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> I'm like, not a Nickelback fan. No, I am the opposite of Nickelback, and I used to work at a music store when Nickelback started coming out. Uh oh. And we would have to play it and I would have to sell it. It just felt wrong. It went against all of my ethical inner being emotions <laughs> to sell that shit to people. Hey, and you're st- and you still feel that way. <laughs> oh, he's awful. He's also from close to where I live and I've just heard stories about him being such a douchebag. So Oh man. Yeah. See, and on top of it, I've heard that too. I've heard that he was a total jerk to everybody that he met and it's just like okay your music shit and and you're a shitty person too so hey how can anybody like you well yeah exactly what just do some porn and get it over with will you just go on go on well exactly <laughs> oh i did want to bring up you guys have that awesome page that that patreon page and i think you need to plug that a lot more because i i don't i was trying to look for the right phrase for it i i think it's disturbingly beautiful Oh, well, thank you. It's, um, it's not everybody's taste. It's and not. We're, we're actually going to be switching it up again a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Because the, crea- the thing with Patreon is some of our shoots end up being extreme and offensive. And that's the stuff that we're trying to put onto the Patreon. But keeping up with that all the time sometimes supersedes doing our photo shoots and we don't like that we're trying to balance all of it okay so yeah we're just i don't know we're trying to figure out a way to do it all and be parents and work full time (laughs) and podcast and and we've got some new up-and-coming stuff which i'm not gonna say right now Oh, yes. Um, which is becoming time-consuming, and that's where I really want to put my energy. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, though. I, I, and whatever you guys have coming up, you've got a lot of supporters out there, including myself. So well, we'll be you. patient for thank sure. You. <laughs> thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay, so back to Mr. Rob Zombie. So I will also say that one of my favorite things about him, and it's not even him, is his wife. I just have such a thing for her. <laughs> She's a beautiful woman, for sure. Oh, She's not even that great of an actress. It's just you look at her and you can feel the love of what she's doing and mm. how she embraces her character. And I do feel like if he didn't have her, there would be a big piece missing there. Yeah, and they really do complement each other well. I mean, you see them on social media all the time, but they just seem very happy. They do. They're the cutest little actually very conservative looking couple outside of what they do <laughs> exactly well aren't they vegans yes yeah so i mean again the rob zombie does not placate to the you know i'm the rocker guy he doesn't even drink or anything or do drugs he just I don't think you know so, yeah. he's a, he's he's a straight edge guy that just makes gruesome um sometimes offensive language movies yeah it's true so some of some of my argument pro Rob Zombie point. So stop Let's me have at, it. stop me at any time. <laughs> so first of all, all of his movies are very oh. grindhouse style, right? And Agreed. that is not as common these days. And that is just very visually appealing from the get go. Like I said, some of his cinematography and some of the directorial choices that he makes, that I am going to agree with that point because it looks grainy, it looks gritty, it looks gross, and it puts you in that kind of mood. 100%. But to counteract that, the dialogue. The dialogue in every single one of his movies is high school level. Like you would talk to your buddies or, or at, even at times very misogynistic. It is misogynistic for sure. Um, and I, I have a, a counter to that, actually. I wrote uh, down a scene that happened in The Devil's Rejects. Okay. Um, that I thought was a, a, a nice little detail that I've missed several times when I've watched it before. Okay. So... I'm just going to say spoiler alert for anybody listening. If you have not watched any of Rob Zombie's movies, you will be having some, you know, scenes spoiled for you. So either stop, go listen, or continue to listen up to you. Okay, so there is a scene where Baby is left in the hotel room with two wives. Okay. Um, so one of the wives asks to go to the bathroom and baby being all fucked up and weird tells her, sure, you can go if, as long as you punch your friend in the face. <laughs> Cause you know, that's what fucked up people do. Um, and she's holding a gun at them. Right. And so they go through this scene or whatever. And the wife goes into the bathroom and then the other woman manage, manages to get that gun from baby Mm -hmm. And instead of shooting baby immediately, they have a little bit of dialogue. And during the scene, baby starts getting in her head mm -hmm. and delays this woman shooting the gun at her. And then during the scene, baby ends up throwing a knife and it goes into the woman's chest. Right. So this is a represent representation of how manipulative these people are and how they really 
can get into the head of of these very frail people or like as i kind of quote unquote think about it mass society or sheep kind of people yeah so when the it gets into her chest the woman shoots the gun only to find out that there were never any bullets in it and so there was actually nothing keeping them in this room aside from fear and right. then baby says to her there ain't no bullets in this thing it's all fucking mind power mm-hmm. and i felt that scene was so strong and it was such a direct representation of the state of the world and yeah. the battle of power, the power of suggestion, the power of fear. And I mm. loved that they made that scene her instead of one of the men. I, I agree. But but on the counter to that, and, and you're absolutely right, Anya. I think, I, I think a deep scene like that, and again, Rob Zombie has shown uh, signs of brilliance at times. And... All the rest of the time, he's just throwing, like, like for example, the rape scene with, with the gun. I mean, that that was like, why, dude? I mean, it just seems, it seems like he puts everything that he wants on the screen in, in the script, and it's just like, that's where his mind is at. Yes, he is visual chaos. I will say yeah. that. Everything he does is visual chaos, and it is a lot at once. And I do feel... Um, what he's trying to do is he's trying to be his own niche with the extreme violence. Right. And so it, it that's why he's throwing in all of the torture, the taunting, rape, mutilations, um, the scene in House of a Thousand Corpses where, you know, baby is playing with herself with a skeleton. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's all very animalistic. And I think that's why he does so well, because everybody has those animalistic, violent impulses, whether I agree. We, whether we admit it or not. Yeah. Maybe may, maybe his being a vegan has made him so extreme when it comes <laughs> to the violence on on humans. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they did have, he, he did, and he does have social commentary, which is kind of uniquely placed. Like his, his veganism shows up in his movie 31, where like the main characters are, are trying to escape this doomhead and all these other guys. And they're, they finally get to eat. They're hungry. Mm-hmm. And, and they're sitting there eating a steak, but not realizing when they pull back the sheet, it's a box, a clear bo- bo- box with, their friend that had been killed and they're eating their friend. So yes, yeah, I loved it. Again, yeah, to... it, it, it is, it's this total so- social commentary and it's, they get buried sometimes in the violence. And I, mm-hmm. I understand that, but his, his eye for detail, mm-hmm. it's, it's so good and it's layered that sometimes it does take you several scenes or rewatches in order to, notice it all right and see that's the problem though i mean it just depends on how much you can stomach i think most people can't you know and people people have called rob zombie a visionary i i don't see it i see i see just somebody that really likes taking the extreme to the extreme not to say he can't be sensitive to c- certain things like i think the one thing i have to withdraw my my criticism of was his halloween uh halloween remake because he did something different. He was trying to tell the story of Michael Myers of being an empathetic character in an abusive household. Although it wasn't that abusive because it was just that 
douchebag boyfriend guy. Yeah, yeah, he was, well, he rubs zombified <laughs> that movie for sure. Right, right. I still didn't like it, but I I, I uh, applaud him for um, coming up with his own vision and having a Michael Myers that was hugely uh, intimidating. The dude was well, huge. Well, that's, yeah, I, <clears throat> when you look at the actual villain in his movie versus the original the mm. one in his movie, actually, he grunts, he makes sounds while he's killing people, whereas the original doesn't make a sound. And so mm. I found personally the Michael Myers in his movies were was way scarier. Yeah, absolutely. I just, and then I also go back into it, and I'm not going to even talk about Halloween 2, which was total bullshit. <laughs> See, I didn't mind it. I liked where he went with that. It was yeah. very artistic. Yeah, I just... <laughs> There's so many problems with that. I mean, we could review that one by itself. Um, <laughs> no, it, like some of the, the the shots that he did was that was very. I, I like the way he took care of the the. I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. The aura of what Halloween is. He took care of that and the storyline of Michael having a sister, who was Laurie. Mm-hmm. Um. So. Telling that story, I, I gave it a lot of flack, but it, I shouldn't have. I should have been a little nicer to it, but just some of the dialogue and the camera shots he made were dizzy. Oh, John, I've lost you. And he oh. does that a lot in his movies. There, there are some shots that... Oh, John, sorry, you're cutting in look and really out. Beautiful. Can you hear me? Oh, am I? Yeah, yeah I can hear you out, fine. You cut out a few times. Oh, shoot. Oh, so uh, you were saying his shots are which? Sorry. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. With this, the shots that he made in Halloween, uh, some were really good. You know, the ambiance, the 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 um, just the yeah, the look of it looked good. But then he would do these shaky shots, right? Like when Michael first became like the killer when he went to go kill the boyfriend and the sister Judith, and then her boyfriend. And it, he did this shake thing with it, which was really dizzying to me. Gotcha. I mean, I, yeah, that's not for everybody. <laughs> for yeah. sure. I know. The shaking camera thing can be tough for a lot of people. But but it's balanced, though. Like you said, it's not the entire thing like that. No. No, his aesthetics are usually pretty good. Like, if we went back to the Devil's Rejects, you know, just the look of it. I, I, I love the homage to uh, Texas Chainsaw, where it was just dirty it felt hot you were yeah. just like Ugh, i hate i hate where these people are at and you felt it and i always appreciate that in the movie if they can give you that aesthetic and you're right there with them you know whether it's in a hot area or whether it's snowing and you can feel that for sure but what i like in terms of his movies with that aesthetic is he does balance that so lords of salem was not like that at all no. It was wet and dark and <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Excuse me. At 31 took place inside a giant warehouse. So there was no outside heat there. And I do find he's good at capturing all of those aesthetics, which is not super common for a lot of horror directors. I find when it comes to aesthetic and feel, they're mm -hmm. usually... Um, it's the same, right? Like Ari Aster yeah. is another example. He's really good at, at like Midsummer and Hereditary. The aesthetic were like polar opposite. 
That's exactly right. So here's here's another thing that I really like that Rob Zombie did. We'll go back to a House of a Thousand Corpses. There's the shot where the sheriff goes in and I believe he gets killed, but his deputy goes around the corner and he's looking. He, he ends up finding the cheerleaders, all of them dead in a shed or something like that. It's Walton Goggins. And mm-hmm. he, he does this. He does a silent shot. I think there's music to it. It's been a while since I've seen it. But uh, Otis is right behind him. Yeah. And then there's this pan up shot of him getting ready to <laughs> to shoot the deputy. And it's it takes so long. It's You're, you're just like on the edge of your seat going, when is it going to happen? When is it? Doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. And then boom. Yeah. But it's all slow-mo. Yes, and that beautiful. That was beautifully shot. So I, I, it sounds like I'm kissing Rob's ass right now, but I'm not a fan. <laughs> well, so far, there seems to be more pros than cons. I'm just saying. Well, the cons <laughs> are plot. <laughs> I mean, go ahead. He, he takes very basic plots or plots yeah. that have been done. There is nothing abnormally unique about his plots right there no. they're concepts that have been done i mean 31 right. was a bit of a, a different plot for him um <laughs> but even lords of salem but again like if the plot fails as long as the execution or the visuals or the dialogue or, or there's something else to kind of balance that poor plot yeah. then i find you will have success and i think if rom rob zombie didn't have enough of that he wouldn't mm-hmm. have the same following he does because it does balance it's very simple, and you're absolutely right. But that's that's not why I'm a horror movie fan. I want to be taken somewhere else. You know, mm-hmm. I, I do appreciate that he tried different things, but you did you bring up a really or you brought up a really good dialogue that Baby had with the two wives in the hotel and from a house of a or I'm sorry, uh, Devil's Rejects. Mm-hmm. I challenge you to find something that brilliant in any of his other movies. Yes, you, but you'll have to watch it over and over and over again. But why there's so many other better things out there to do with your time. Um, <laughs> I the- mean, I get what you're saying. I do. But I do I do think if there was that beautiful scene in The Devil's Rejects, then he is going to have other scenes like that that are going to be as impactful. And it, mm. I mean, I get, I get what you're saying. There's a lot of movies out there. But if you're getting saturated with horror movies, like I am saturated with horror movies. I've watched maybe too many recently. <laughs> that sometimes it's interesting to go back and watch ones that you didn't necessarily feel were as strong. Or go back and watch ones that you loved before and see if you still have that same feeling, Reverence. that same initial feeling about it. Mm-hmm. No, that's absolutely true, you know, and again, there will be days where I may go watch another Rob Zombie movie and be like, all right, let's give it another chance because I don't like to shit on somebody or, or their art because that's exactly what it is. Yeah. You know, he's an artist trying to create a prop. The problems I have with his movies are, are definitely personal and, I, you know, maybe a lot of people have the same opinion, but my, <laughs> my biggest problem <laughs> Is his characters? Hmm. There's no one I can relate to. I don't understand how the the Firefly Firefly family became anti heroes after House of a Thousand Corpses. They are terrible, god awful human <laughs> beings. <laughs> I and made a, and I made a note of that actually. Let me keep going. Yeah, and people said, "Oh yeah, they're the anti heroes." No, they're they're the villains. They take innocent people, and and the fact that Rob, you're trying to make me root for these people, 
and then good lord he he makes he makes the uh what was it the uh three from hell so he does another sequel to the movie when they were supposed to die in the movie because there's this big gunfight but somehow they lived <laughs> i mean i'll give you that for three from hell <laughs> that was yeah. not that was not my favorite movie of his for sure no. But I do think what I like about that anti-hero, quote-unquote anti-hero thing, is I think it's his big fuck you to government, fuck you to police. Mm. Because the, if you look at if you look at the, the errors of the police up until that point, this family had been getting away with that level of murders for who knows how long. And mm -hmm. it it took them so long for these idiot cops to be able to piece all of the, the pieces together and they didn't actually do their due diligence to find out who they were up against, right? I made a note that the Firefly family is so fucked up that they are prepared for them to be caught, right? So they, at the very beginning of A Devil's Rejects, they have guns, helmets, bulletproof yep. vests. They are just 100% prepared Whereas the police are not. And I think that is a massive representation, again, of society and the weakness that is the policing system, especially right. and, in the U.S. <laughs> and and yeah, agreed. Yeah, you're right. Rob Zombie does put that kind of twist on there. His commentary on, you know, these country bumpkins being the government and, and you know, lackluster at their jobs at best. But, but he also makes the characters like that. You know, every single character. Okay, you can do it in House of a Thousand Corpses. But when you do it in every single movie, because you, you, you've got to, you actually have a, <laughs> uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A, a series of events that it's going to happen that you're going to see in every single Rob Zombie movie. You're going to see gore. You're going to see somebody be eviscerated. You're going to be see somebody be beheaded. Uh, you're going to hear this, this dialogue that teenage boys would use in the locker room um and that's what you get and and these characters that like are just so dumb for lack of a better word that it's just like oh my god really but see i wonder though if that is also a representation of the stereotype of country bumpkins because in terms of the preparation that they had and in terms of these people being able to execute and kill how many people before they're caught, they're able to slyly prepare themselves for an evacuation should they get caught. And then they're mm -hmm. able to continue that killing spree all across America until they're caught. It's sort of the same as, you know, the natural born killers where it's on the outset, these people don't seem very educated, but they actually are so educated or educated enough that they can evade the police yeah i'm not saying the firefly family is is dumb or country bumpkins they're they're very intelligent because they're always one step ahead of everybody mm -hmm. so i'm just talking about the characters that you interact with throughout the movie right so you're that, you're feeling that that dialogue doesn't match the necessarily uh, the outside of them not at all and yeah. it just it really does bother me to to you know make try to make me like these people um, if you want if you want me to enjoy the movie fine i i could do that but you know i i guess uh the devil's rejects is kind of a bad example just because they're it's so gritty i enjoyed it quite a bit well and it's a different pacing 
from a House of a Thousand Corpses, and I right. loved that. House of a yeah. Thousand Corpses was a slow burn. The ending right. was absolutely incredible, <laughs> but it was a slow burn. And then you jump into The Devil's Rejects, that is a straight up, like almost action movie, right? It's nonstop. They're chasing, getting chased. They're mm -hmm. murdering along the way. And so I liked that duality between those two movies. And then you got three from hell in there. I don't, let's not even talk about that one. I pretend it didn't happen. I thought, I thought he uh, did not do any ni niceties to Sid Haig who passed away during the filming of that movie. I know. Uh, it was so, and again, the Captain Spaulding characters, the just disgusting human being, but you know what? If I liked any of the characters, it was him. Sid Haig was always solid. Yes. And creepy, very creepy. Yeah, just a tall, gangly dude and just knew how to play the part perfectly. Perfectly. Yeah. I know, and I when you would look at him without all of the clown makeup on, I couldn't tell if that's legitimately how he looks all the time or if they kind of played that up. I think it's the majority what he looked like. Well, he, I found, think... he found a good niche for himself. <laughs> yes, yes, he did. So can we talk about Sherry Moon Zombie being in every fucking movie? Well, okay, yes, yes. So she's she's the Sarah Paulson to Ryan Murphy, right? Right. And I think if she wasn't as attractive as she is, it would not land the same. And I hate right. saying that because it shouldn't be about her look mm -mm. but when she's not playing baby firefly it, it's not strong mm -mm. no i i think there is a, a certain level of acting that that she does okay and that's just being i don't give a shit which is great mm -hmm. you know a, a great kind of character to have but when you do put her in a serious like like her playing myers mother i mean she was i think she tried way too hard to be just this loving mother and, and she did okay um you know just trying to make ends meet to keep her family together mm -hmm. you know why in the world would she be with a guy that got in an accident that's just sitting there and say oh school fuck you and um <laughs> oh yeah it was it was okay and then it was then she became like some sort of I don't know, um, maybe a a fairy or something like that in the second one, which was weird. The vision, yeah. <laughs> yeah, with the white horse. Yeah, people hated that that her with the white horse. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I visually I liked it, but uh, yeah, it was it was just the conscience of Michael, and then uh, ambiguously the conscience of uh, Lori. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, the Halloween movies didn't really have a f much of a place for her, and so I think he maybe tried to find the fit for her, right? And right. That, and to me, that's another perk for Rob Zombie because he's trying so hard to be inclusive and finding the right fit for his common main actors. Right. Again, yeah, you saw Bill Mosley and Sid Haig in freaking Halloween 1, mm -hmm. so... So yeah, he does find a place for him. I then going back onto the character of um, whatever the, the whatever the mom's name was in in Halloween. You know, there was there was such a lack of interest in her character that 
whether you realize it or not, she shot herself in a hotel with baby, uh, baby Lori there, which should have been heartbreaking, but I'm like, oh, it was just kind of brushed over. Right. I do think in those movies, especially, they're trying to really play up the lack of emotion with Michael Myers. So I think they tried not to focus on any of those particular scenes, right? That's why right. a lot of those scenes are so quick. Um, which I do, I do enjoy about his movies is that he makes these psychopaths not really have a lot of reason. They mm. are just kind of psychopaths for the sake of being psychopaths. I mean, he added a little bit of a backstory to Michael for sure to, to give an edge there. Um, but well, if you, thing. yeah, if you were going to say you had, if you had an anti-hero, you know, it would be Michael Myers in this. And there's no rhyme or reason for him to do what he did. But in Rob Zombie's version of it, he absolutely had every reason because of his, the way he was raised, the way he was bullied, mm -hmm. you know, and then you're like, oh yeah, I understand why he's like that. What's this? And, and we talked about this on our podcast that, um, you know, what made Halloween the original Halloween so good. It was simplification. Everything was simple. There was no rhyme to reason. There was a six-year-old boy just stabbed his sister. Maybe he was mad at that he didn't go trick-or-treating. Maybe he wasn't. You don't know. And then, and then all, of, all of a sudden, you know, what is it? Sixteen years later, he's out of he's out of Smith Grove, and he's just back for revenge. I'm just out to kill. Yes, I agree with you with that original Halloween, but I do feel, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think everybody that watched that Halloween movie was thinking it during the whole thing is, why is Michael like this? And I bet you Rob Zombie felt that way when he watched it too, and so that's why he wrote in a bit of a, a backstory. He was trying to answer a question that was never addressed in those movies. I give him all the credit in the world for doing that. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think I think it's fantastic because it was his own mind that said, you know, this is how I'm going to write Michael Myers. He comes from this kind of home. But the thing is, is that, that you revere Halloween so much. And for me, my favorite horror movie of all time is Halloween. So when, Rob, when you touch that, <laughs> you better make it damn good. And don't make, don't make it like your past films where it's like, it's so formulaic that it's this, then this is going to happen. You're going to run into some of these characters and then you're going to have this big action-packed ending. Okay, so... See, but they're not all like that. Lords, I, Lords of Salem was not like that. That's very true. He did. He actually did a very, very cool twist on, um, on witches, but it was so boring to me. Really? Okay, see, that's how I felt the first time I watched it. And I don't remember who mentioned that this was in their top... And I remember thinking, really? What the fuck? This movie sucked. So then I went back and rewatched it in the past six to eight months. It's mm -hmm. so good. If you actually get past, because the thing is, I watched Devil's Rejects and then I watched Lords of Salem. So I think I went into it with this preconceived notion I was going to get a faster paced movie again, which it's clearly not. Um, right. But when you actually sit with it and start paying attention to the the representation of feminism in that movie and you really kind of can see what's happening to all of these women and to see how they're kind of being controlled, right? Mm -hmm. I loved the pacing of it the second time that I watched it. I will say this about Sherry Moon Zombie. I did like her in this role mm -hmm. because it was, very, it, it was very tamped down for her. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it, it made she seem more believable in this role. You know, as Baby Firefly, she just needs to run wild. And yeah. you know, as that as that as that trilogy progressed, you know, she got more, I guess, grounded and less cartoony. But like that role in in Lords of Salem was actually pretty good. It, it just seemed natural for her. Like I felt like I was watching just Sherry Moon in her yeah. element. Right. Uh, um, yeah, Baby Firefly is such a very specific character. But I also think one of the the reasons why, as a woman, I I kind of relate to Bi- Baby Firefly is she is like you said she is she's wild and free. She says whatever she wants, and she just does whatever she wants. And as a woman in society, we can't just run around and not fear men. We can't walk down the street and not worry that somebody is going to be behind us. Whereas, you know, baby Firefly is not afraid of any of that. And so I feel like he really wrote that character in a way that is so, such a a thing that women aspire to be that free. Yeah, <clears throat> well, and a good example of that is, is didn't she get captured in, um, oh, it was Devil's Rejects, and they got put in the basement of the house or something, and she was she didn't care. She gave two shits, because yeah. the brother of the sheriff came, was coming after her. Yeah, she, yeah, By the she, way. she was just laughing, and I think yeah. she, was it she spit in one of their faces? and Yep. Yeah, she was a badass, but, you know. Just not a strong actress. <laughs> I do agree. Good character, not a strong actress. Another bonus, I think, is his soundtracks in his movies are fucking spot on. They're giving you what you didn't even realize you wanted. I personally feel that way. All right. This, uh, this might blow you away, but... I agree a hundred percent. That free bird at the end of freaking uh, Devil's Rejects was amazing, sp- spot on. It was the best thing you ever wanted, and I mean, it's funny because when House of a Thousand Corpses came out, I expected Rob Zombie kind of mu- music, and I mean, there was some of that, but my God, does he make blues a new thing again in horror movies like you don't watch horror movies and hear old blues or old soul music and have it really fit right but it did and it he continually does that in every one of his movies yeah rob is a very very intelligent human being uh and it just seems like his two loves are horror movies because he does pay, pay a lot of respect to classic horror movies and music and he mm-hmm. uses them spart- sparingly and and Perfectly. Perfectly. Yes. I love the fact that he's a fan of horror movies. It's just, again, you know, everything that we've talked about, I, I just, I'm not a fan. <laughs> did, but, did I but, convince you to, to my side yet? <laughs> no, because everything you're saying is, is like, well, yeah, I, I, I didn't like this, but He's like, this is the thing. You didn't like a lot of things, but the things you did like, you're saying like, that was genius or that was amazing. So yeah. in, in the balance of, of sh- should Rob Zombie be likable, if you kind of, you know, make a common medium of all of those comments, it seems sort of like there's more perks than there are dislikes. I know, but you've got to put yourself into a two-hour <laughs> movie and watch this thing all the way through and then these are the little things like i I, 
we do podcasts and we could get shit on for our podcast because no and that's fine you mm-hmm. know but you just got to appreciate the art of what you're trying to do what i'm trying to do what rob's trying to do i i do appreciate that and i love the fact that he's a, a horror movie fan and yeah, that he he, he, he has a lot of reverence towards it his movies just aren't good they they're not put together well you know he writes the script completely I would I would be more apt to watch a Rob Zombie movie if he directed it. If the, he was behind the camera, had nothing to do with the script, because the stri- script irritates me. You know, I, I I know it may not bother you, but some of the some of the dialogue is just so bad and and childish and like like I'm an adolescent. I I, I don't get it. I, I I get what you're saying. I do. the 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 dialogue and the writing is the weakest elements to his movie for sure Mm -hmm. um and this is one of the things we were sort of chatting about at the beginning before i started hitting record is he is a bit of a one-trick pony (laughs) (laughs) he is (laughs) and as somebody that has loved rob zombie for as long as i have it's hard to admit that my love for him has shifted a little bit but it mm-hmm. has, and it's hard not to when you've got the Ari Asters and you've got the Jordan Peels, and they're coming out with stuff that varies so much from movie to movie. It is really hard to continually go back and watch the Rob Zombie movies and not feel that you're going to get the same formulaic pattern yep. that he has in every one of his movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, he does occasionally <clears throat> sprinkle in movies that are a little bit different, like Lords of Salem or when he did the El Superbisto. I don't know if you ever watched that. I caught part of it, yeah. It was great. I enjoyed it. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's nice to see that he does those varieties, but he doesn't do enough of those, I think. And it's because that he doesn't do enough that now he's kind of pigeonholed himself, right? Mm-hmm. You know, what kind of irritated me though. I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to cut off your, your no, thing. No, um, no. The the movie Thirty One. Didn't he get a GoFundMe on that one? Didn't he st- like or did some sort of startup to get okay. the fans what they wanted? So it, what you're saying is exactly right because his fans, the people that will pay money to a GoFundMe, he's giving them the formulaic thing. Although all his movies previous to that, including the Halloweens, is the same way. You know, some some have a lighter feel, some have a darker feel. They're, they're, the moods are a little different, but the layout of the movie is exactly the same. Yes. And I will say 31, so I tried to rewatch it again in the past few days, and I've had to step back because I'm not feeling horror-inspired this week. Understood. Um, but I remember loving that movie when I first watched it because I went into it with the preconceived notion this is going to be another devil's rejects and Mm -hmm. so when i watched it i was a little bit pleasantly surprised because the idea of it and the direction it took and where it ended up i enjoyed um but the gore and you know that that psychopathness was a bit predictable yeah, it was. Richard Brake was great at that beginning monologue. Oh, it was beautiful. beautiful. Yeah, the black black and white shot. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, I was just rewatching. Is that a priest that he is killing at the beginning? I believe so. Yeah, I believe it's like his his uh, people that go to church with him, like a church group that they just killed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
that I will say that Rob Zombie has no holds barred when it comes to who gets murdered, and I like that. Yeah, he he doesn't. He holds zero back. That's right. I think he's he's been very sensitive when it comes to kids, though. I, I don't yes. recall him killing or, or or like having any on-screen kills with children, which I think no. he's been, which is great. I I don't like seeing that at all, anyways. So. No, and I don't think there's been a lot of animal deaths actually. Now that you say that, has there? There, the, the one that really sticks out to me vividly is uh, the Michael Myers, just to indicate that he's going psychopath, as they, as they say, a cliche of, you know, he's a psychopath if he's killing animals. And right. I think it was, I think it was like a dog and a cat or something like that that were dead. Right. But we didn't actually, did we see it? I can't remember. I think we saw the corpses, but you never actually saw it on screen because he loves animals. So. He does. He does. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, Rob Zombie, is he the best horror movie director? No. <laughs> Not at all. But it's undeniable that his movies are fun. And I feel like when you're going into a Rob Zombie, you can expect certain things are going to happen. You're, you can expect there's going to be gore. There's going to be a good soundtrack. The aesthetics are going to be great. There's going to be these long-winded shots where it really kind of holds you a little bit extra. Like you said, that one scene where he's just holding the gun to the back of this sheriff's head, and it is such a long scene, and you can't believe it's still going. Yeah. And I think his formulate things in terms of those are very, very visually pleasing, but... <laughs> It's the one trick pony thing. He needs to he needs to wow us with the monsters. That's all I'm I agree. <laughs> I, I you know, and it's funny, Anya, because I'm actually excited to go see that. I want to see his spin on the monsters. I, I think the look the look of characters look really good. Really just good. what I've yeah, on Instagram. As long as I what I'm really hoping is that there is gonna be very tamed down gore. I think as long as there's very tame down gore, that's going to give him an edge. But if it is at his typical style, I think it's going to be dumb. I, 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 let's let's make a bet. I think this movie is actually going to be humorous. It's probably going to be PG-13. And there might be a little bit of gore. But I think what made the monster so brilliant, yeah, watching it like on Nick at Night or whatever... Was it's funny? Mm -hmm. I mean, and and you know, I think Rob Zombie's got a, a pretty good sense of humor when it comes to things. When he's not saying "I'll skull fuck you" in twelve times, <laughs> I'll cut your tits off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do we know if he's writing this? I would assume so. Yeah. I don't think he lets anybody do anything, but you never know. Maybe, maybe, maybe old boy's grown up. <laughs> He didn't have a, didn't he have a more signature birthday? Isn't he 50 now? Didn't he have a, so. a birthday like that recently? So maybe he will surprise us. I don't know. I'm just making a guess that this is going to be a little, maybe, maybe a little darker humor, but hopefully what, what the monsters are, are a funny group, a family that is monsters. Dracula, yes. uh, Bride of Frankenstein, Frankenstein, Wolfman or Wolfboy. Yeah, I agree so. with you. So I will say that when 
John and I initially talked about doing this episode, I was like, I'm going to have a trillion points and I'm going to be able to convince you. And John, I'm going to admit when I was going back and watching all of his stuff, my love for Rob Zombie has gone down some pegs. (laughs) And Anya, I will admit this, is that regardless of how poorly I talk about him on the podcast, I have a lot of respect for Rob Zombie when it comes to movie making and I shouldn't shit on him as much. So there you go. Yeah, but it's all the fun, isn't it though? Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) I love when I listen to your, to your podcast and uh, yeah, you get little slights in about him and I hear them (laughs) laughing. I love it. I, it makes, it makes your podcast enjoyable. That's well, what I like you. about you. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. We appreciate you. We know you're a listener, so we, we always appreciate it. Oh, of course. And, and people should be listening to your podcast. It's just, it's you, you three are such a great, diverse group, and I love that. And I'll give them all the credit because they are fantastic. I pulled two people that had never experienced a podcast in their life, and my goodness, I couldn't have found two better co-hosts to, to do this with me. And they're so good and they're so much fun. And they've got such great insight into these movies. That's I appreciate it. We got-